and welcome to the Krug Show on a Friday. It is March. We have made it to March. Leap year and all in the rearview mirror. And it's March, which means the combine's going on, which means free agency is around the corner, which means the draft is approaching and the offseason in full swing. And we're here to talk a little Niner football. Uh, Chase Sr. with us in his regular time slot on a Friday. Uh, we're brought to you by Pig and a Pickle, the best barbecue in all of Northern California. Check them out in Emeryville and Corte Madera. We're also brought to you by Marin Auto Glass, uh, Underdog Fantasy, um, and we're off and running. Chase, good to see you, man. How's the combine? You as well, Larry. Always good hopping on these Friday spots, and it's really good. You know, had an opportunity to speak with John Lynch on Tuesday. He met with the media, and then all throughout this week, we've been just talking to different prospects to see who San Francisco is meeting with, both formally and informally. And today, a pretty cool day from Indianapolis because you have Luke McCaffrey, the brother of Christian McCaffrey, wide receiver at Rice, he relayed to us that he's met with San Francisco multiple times since the Senior Bowl. And then you have Frank Gore Jr., who's met informally with the Niners. And then Brendan Rice, the son of Jerry Rice, who had a formal meeting with San Francisco. And it's kind of been interesting to see which position groups the Niners are going heavy on. They've met with a lot of defensive linemen, both on the interior and on the edge. They've met with a couple of tight ends. They've met with a lot of defensive backs. I think they're looking for nickel and possibly some safety help or some defensive backs who can play and offer a little bit of versatility to this defense. And then today, meeting with a lot of wide receivers. I'm not sure what that tells us about Jawan Jennings. Is it going to be too expensive if another team gives him a lofty deal? What does that mean about the future of Brandon Ayuk? Debo Samuel maybe beyond 2024. Obviously, these formal and informal meetings don't always mean that San Francisco is interested in all of these prospects, but it gives you a peek into what position groups they are a little bit interested in as far as just research on some of these prospects. Yeah. I mean, we don't know, is it a smoke screen? Do they want to meet with these guys because they really like them? I know people suggest it's a smoke screen. <clears throat> I, I wouldn't say it's a slam dunk that every guy they meet with, they want. Sometimes they just want to get a question answered. But the process is too condensed. The time is too valuable. You're going to meet with, with players that you have interest in. If I said to you, bet everything you got on either Brendan Rice, Luke McCaffrey, or Frank Cord Jr. becoming a Niner, uh, the three guys with actual ties to guys who were either in or are in the organization, um, who do you think? Yeah, are they most likely to go for Rice? Rice's son, McCaffrey's brother, or Gore's son? It's really interesting, too, because you're talking about Niner legends here. Jerry Rice is the best wide receiver of all time. Frank Gore is one of the best running backs in the history of the Niners organization. He's third all time in rushing guards. And Christian McCaffrey undoubtedly is the best running back in football right now, coming off the season in which he was the NFL Offensive Player of the Year, had more than 2,000 all purpose yards, led the NFL in carries and rushing yards, and now. They all have ties to this organization with the 2024 draft class. Frank Gore Jr., I'd say, would be the least likely because he's had an informal interview with the Niners. But as a late-round pick, UDFA, I don't think that you can rule it out. Luke McCaffrey is interesting because he actually started his college career as quarterback at Nebraska, and he made the switch 
to wide receiver. And obviously his father, Ed McCaffrey, was able to help him with that. I asked him today how Christian was able to help him with his footwork and his route running because I think McCaffrey is so underrated in that regard. Everybody labels him as a running back. I label him as a weapon, a guy who can really just do it all. And he's surgical with his route running and his footwork. And Luke even said, my dad and my brother, they've helped me out in a bunch of ways. And then you have Brandon Rice, who's a really interesting wide receiver. And digging around here at the Combine throughout this week, I've asked the question, is it Lincoln Riley that was the problem last year at USC because they were bad? Was it the offensive system? I've kind of gathered that maybe some of the issues were with the offensive staff. And I thought that that was pretty interesting and not necessarily the play calling. I think Brendan Rice is a really, really interesting prospect who had some really good production. I don't think he's going to be to the likes of his brother or his his father, excuse me. But if I were to rank those three as far as probability, I would go Brendan Rice number one, Luke McCaffrey number two, and then Frank Gore Jr. number three. But all are kind of interesting in a way. Brendan Rice is a really solid wide receiver. You have the positional switch for Luke McCaffrey and I kind of like that versatility. The Niners really value that in prospects. And then Frank Gore is asked, what's the difference between him and his dad? He thinks he's more agile. His dad obviously brought a little bit more thump to the table. But as a backup running back, what's the future look like behind Christian McCaffrey, who has two more years on his contract? Aja Mitchell's always hurt. You have Jordan Mason, who the coaching staff, I don't think, trusts with his ability to pass block. Could they take a flyer? On Frank Gore. I think this is a really cool story, and it's also fascinating to follow as we approach draft time at the end of April. Yeah, no question about it. Um, I'm eager to see what Rice's kid runs because he's big and he's a, I, I think he's a terrific receiver. Um, you know, he runs good routes, he's got good hands. Um, you can see he's very serious about his craft. If he runs anything sub four five at six three, six four, whatever he is. Uh, that's probably going to be, you know, make him a, a for sure day th- day two pick. Um, I like Brendan Rice. I, I think he's a, a really good NFL wide receiver, and I think he's, I think he's going to be unlike a lot of rookie receivers that come into the league and struggle. I think this guy might hit the ground running just because I think he's advanced in a lot of ways. Yeah, you know, what's interesting too is that you can tell that these three prospects have such an NFL pedigree within their family. Luke McCaffrey takes the stand and he was in control of everything. And the media gathering around him was multiple people deep. There was a lot of people who wanted to talk to him and he was like pointing who's asking the question next. And he was so in control. And then Brendan Rice had a really good personality. He wasn't phased at all. And then Frank Gore Jr. had a great personality and you could just tell that their family and their fathers were in Luke McCaffrey's case, his brother really helped prepare him for this moment where some of the bright lights, all of the media attention, there are so many cameras. Some prospects are a little bit gun shy. These guys were just having such a great time and a lot of fun having this opportunity and living in the moment. I know Christian is really excited about the idea of playing with Luke. And I know he's going to be in Lynch's ear uh, on day three of the draft. My only question, I guess, is also what what does McCaffrey run? Because, you know, Christian seems to think he's going to run great. Um, watching his film, I would say that he's not going to run great. But we'll we'll see. Um, uh, to me, if he doesn't run great, 
I think he's got a better chance to be a Niner than if he does, you know, but just simply because I, I think they're, you know, by the time they get around to, Hey, let's, let's grab Christian's brother. I think they're going to be in the fifth or sixth round. And I don't know if he's going to be on the board in the fifth or sixth round. Any of these prospects that you talk to seem real eager to play for the 49ers or is there, is there a prospect that you've talked to? You've said, you know what, man, I absolutely think that's, that guy's going to be a Niner. So many of them. And it's actually really impressive how many of the players who have taken the podium have been so complimentary by their the Niners organization, the front office, or the roster and the talent on the roster, specifically with the linebackers the other day. Which linebackers do you like watching? So many of them said, I'm out of my game after Fred Warner, fast like Fred Warner. Some of the other bulkier linebackers said, I like the model my game after Dre Green. I think he's a really underrated player who really brings the boom on that Niners defense. So that was that linebacker. And then some of the wide receivers talked about how Brandon Ayuk is such a great route runner and a technician, how he has this great footwork. And that allows him to really accelerate and then stop and then accelerate again and win some of the one-on-one matchups. Chop Robinson is a player who Mel Kuyper mocked to the Niners at 31, and then he runs a 4-4 40-yard dash. He said, I model my game after Nick Bosa and TJ Watt, but I don't think he's going to be available for San Francisco now at 31 for two reasons. He ran fast, and he has just an incredible first step. And then at the safety position, this was of note as well. Talano Hufanga is a younger player. He was an all-pro in year two, and in year three, his season got cut short because of that torn ACL. But a lot of the safeties said, I really like Talano Hufanga's game, Kalen Bullock being one of them. He went to USC. But it's just interesting that a lot of the players here, even with some of the younger players on this Niners roster, they've taken notice of just the talent that San Francisco has been able to compile. And then lastly, before I throw it back to you, a lot of these young players are just Niner fans. I think that's because a lot of the success that San Francisco has been able to have in recent years, but also just the long-term success that this organization has been able to have in winning five Super Bowls and being one of the blue bloods in the National Football League. I talked to Max Melton, Rutgers cornerback, who said he grew yeah, up in South him. Jersey, and he grew up a Niner fan. His brother grew up a Cowboys fan. So to Max Melton's brother, he made the wrong choice. Max Melton obviously made the right choice, but he's a long corner, really experienced, and I really like players who are heady. To go to Rutgers, you, of course, have to be uh, a very intellectual player, but he's long, he's rangy, he's physical, and he said he would love to play for the San Francisco 49ers. In fact, he said going back to the Senior Bowl, he met with the Niners five to six times. I love Max Melton. He's one of my favorite corners just because he will come up in the run game and he will knock your block off. I mean, he is just yeah. absolutely an unbelievable hitter. And I got to think that John Lynch, who, you know, they met with Melton. They met with uh, Malik Mustafa from Wake Forest. Both those guys are just crushers in the run game. And they kind of have that, that Lynch characteristic yesterday, linebackers and D line today. It's, it was it tight ends and O line or tight ends and, uh, and wide receivers today, or so um, yesterday was um, DBs and tight ends. The day before that was defensive linemen. Today 
Um, we spoke with wide receivers and running backs. Tomorrow is offensive line, so that's a big day for San Francisco. And then today was also quarterbacks, too. The scrum for Caleb Williams was absolutely ridiculous, like several hundred people. And to get a question in was just like running a marathon. It was really, really <laughs> <Good difficult. luck. laughs> Which of the D linemen, I mean, to me, I watched all of the D line stuff, and the two guys that I just absolutely love, um, on that D line are um, Rook Aroro Aroro from Clemson, who just looked phenomenal in the workout. And then the, the Florida state kid, the transfer um, Braden Fisk. I mean, he, yep. he ran four, seven, eight. Um, I love the way he plays. He's, he's got a crazy motor. Um, I, I personally would like to see them use their pick at 31 on one of those couple guys. Um, I like the idea of going for, you know, the big defensive lineman first and then and then coming back later. I like some of the other offensive tackles after because they're not going to get at 31. They're not going to get like the six or seven top tackles. So I kind of like Braden Fisk and I really love Rook Aurora Aurora. Did you get a chance to talk to either one of those guys? Talked a little bit with Fisk. Another player that I think you mentioned too on X was McKinley Jackson, defensive tackle out of Texas A&M. And the way that he conducted himself, people sometimes will ask questions, what drives you? He's like, nothing drives me. I just love playing football. I love ball. And he's a massive dude who would really be able to, I think, push the interior of the pocket. And I think it's funny. I was talking with Brad SF Niner. Shout out to him. He does a great job. And with his YouTube channel and his coverage of the Niners. And we were talking about defensive linemen, D tackles and edges and how a lot of fans who I think are casuals have reached back out to us. And they're saying the Niners don't need any defensive line help, but it's like, well, hold on. They struggled against the run all year. They have issues with, Defensive tackle depth. Yes, they're paying a lot of money to Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave, but can the casual fan name me who the backup defensive tackles are after that? Probably not. And then at the edge spots, Chase Young, Randy Gregory, and Cleveland Furl are all going to be free agents. So I actually think that San Francisco, rightfully so, is really looking at edge rushers. They're looking at defensive tackles at a position that they really have to pinpoint. And then going back to some of the players that I think the Niners could have interest in, when you look at a player like Chop Robinson, he runs that 4-4. His testing numbers are really good. His first step is just incredible. There's a little bit of a lack of college production there, but Penn State has done one of the best jobs among all Power 5 schools, in my opinion, of developing pro tap. James Franklin never wins the big game, and they're a little bit lackluster in that area behind Ohio State and Michigan in the Big Ten Conference. But as far as finding, identifying NFL level talent and high level NFL talent. James Franklin and Penn State do as good of a job as anybody. And Top Robinson is another one of those players who I'm so intrigued by because if you have really good size, you have been explosiveness, athleticism, and that quick first step, I think is really important. You could be an impact player in this league. And I think Chop Robinson could be in play at 31. I thought it was really interesting how San Francisco had a formal meeting with Kool-Aid McKinstry, the Alabama defensive back. Yeah. Today it was reported that he has a Jones fracture in his foot, and the expectation is that he's going to be ready for the regular season. I thought before that injury was reported that maybe a team would have to trade up 
for Kool-Aid McKinstry. Now can San Francisco get him at number 31? There are so many intriguing options for San Francisco with this first-round pick, and it's exciting because they have a first-round pick for the first time in a few years after they give away a couple in that Trey Lance trade. Yeah, no, no, no question about it. Um, <clears throat> I think D, you know, defensive line, I think, is much more of a need than people think. The only defensive linemen they have under contract are Armstead, Hargrave, Bosa, and then Drake Jackson, Kalia Davis, Robert Beal Jr. So basically, Chase Young and their entire second team D line are all free agents, and they may all walk away. Um, what, there's always a ton, there's always a lot of rumors going around at the combine. Have you heard any connected to the 49ers? And I bring this up because Mike Silver wrote an article saying, you know, the Niners may make some dramatic moves, and they're not just going to try to run it back. Uh, you may even see some sacred, some veteran sacred cows kind of, kind of gone. Um, I immediately started thinking of Eric Armstead. Other people start brought up names like Debo and Kittle, but um, what do you think? I mean, you know, the there's the Niners have done free agency in a big way the last couple of years. They've let guys walk, and then two years ago they got Mooney. Last year they got Hargrave. Um, what do you think? Is there any chance that they try to steal? Um, you know, I know Legarius Sneed is, is they're saying may get traded for a second round pick. Could the Niners be that team that gives a second round pick to Kansas City for Sneed in a similar deal to the one they made for D Ford, which obviously did not work out for the Niners that well, but worked out well for, for Kansas City. And then, of course, Chris Young is rumored or Chris Jones is rumored to be back at um, Kansas City. Uh, and, and there are a lot of optimism there, but man, I mean, if you want to shake things up, um, make a move off of one of your tackles and find a way to get Chris Jones to come to San Francisco, that would be amazing. Are you hearing any rumors at all tied to free agency in the 49ers there? Yeah. Well, a couple of things that I reported this week, a lot of the buzz is that if the Niners go internal, and I know this isn't free agency, but I'll get to that in a moment. I've heard that if the Niners go internal, Nick Sorensen is most likely the candidate to be defensive coordinator to take over for Steve Wilkes. I had a source reach out to me and say that Brandon Ayuk isn't going anywhere. And this is actually some interesting information here. John Lynch is best friends with Brandon Ayuk's agent. And Brandon Ayuk's agent was at John Lynch's Hall of Fame ceremony. And John Lynch was the best man in his wedding. And John Lynch even said on Tuesday when he met with the media, Look at our track record of how we take care of our homegrown players. And he's totally right. In consecutive years, George Kittle contract extension, Fred Warner contract extension, Debo Samuel contract extension, Nick Bosa contract extension. I think Brandon Ayuk is going to be the fifth contract extension in a row of a player who the Niners drafted, developed, and then paid to a long-term deal. So I'm hearing that Ayuk isn't going anywhere and San Francisco has no plans on trading him. So those are the two things that I've heard on my end as far as buzz, as far as free agency and going into the offseason, I'll tell you what, if San Francisco has an opportunity to get Legereus need for a second round pick, I do it in a heartbeat. And that's interesting for a couple of reasons, just like the Kool-Aid McKinstry Formal meeting, interesting. You could have, let's say, Legereus need Charvarius Ward as your outside perimeter corners. The fact that Logan Ryan was getting snaps in the Super Bowl is a joke because San Francisco is getting torched there by Kansas City. You don't have to worry about that because Diamador Lenore stays in the slot 
with, let's say, Snead and Ward on the outside or Kool-Aid McKinstry and Ward on the outside. But Mooney Ward, if we're going to talk about financial issues with San Francisco, he's going into the final year of his deal. And this has been a great bargain deal for the Niners. They've paid him on an average annual value basis of about $14 million per year. This is the final year of his contract. They envision him being their corner one, and he's been a corner one. He was the second-team All-Pro this past year. He led the NFL in pass breakups, and he was tied for fourth in interceptions. But if they have to make some difficult financial decisions, do they trade for a player like Snead? Do they draft a young corner, pair them up for 2024, and then let Mooney Ward walk after that because then they're going to have to pay Amador Lenore and maybe you utilize him as your other outside corner, which which with whatever one that you either signed in free agency, traded for, or drafted. So I think that's pretty interesting. And with Kansas City, you're paying Mahomes all this money. You're going to give Andy Reid a contract extension. I know that doesn't impact the salary cap, but Trent McDuffie is a really good blossoming young player. If they sign Chris Jones, are they going to have money to – Resign a luxurious need. And I think that they're this offseason going to address that wide receiver spot for Patrick Mahomes and give him some more weapons, whether that be through the draft or free agency. So money could get a little bit tight for Kansas City. That's where Sneed becomes really interesting. I know Niner fans are saying, bring in Chris Jones, bring in Chris Jones. That's just not financially possible. But going back to that Mike Silver piece that you started the question off with, he talked about major moves being made as far as the draft as far as free agency, but maybe moving on from some veteran players. Eric Armstead was the first name that comes to mind because I think that he could be a cap casualty post-June 1. The cap savings for the Niners would be $18 million. The dead money, though, would be $10 million. So really, you're saving $8 million there. Pre-June 1, it's just not going to happen because the dead money is $25 million and the cap savings is only $2.5 million. So that then brings me to some of the other options. Is it a Kyle Hughes check? I think a contract restructure is a lot more realistic. Is it Debo Samuel? Post-June 1 for him, dead cap charge of $11 million. Cap savings is $17 million. I don't think it happens, but that's a possibility. I threw this out on my show because I like doing thought-provoking content, not boring shows. Christian McCaffrey. Mike Silver was talking about how the Niners are looking at players who are still really good, but maybe starting to decline a little bit. If you want to save some money, could McCaffrey be an option? Again, I don't think this is going to happen, but it's certainly worthy of having that conversation. He has two more years on his deal. He makes a lot of money at running back. If you look at the NFL leaders and carries and touches, that following season, their production is always about cut in half by 50%. McCaffrey has a little bit of an injury history. He's getting a little bit older. And this year led the NFL in touches, led the NFL in rushing yards. And what's the realistic future of him? How long is he going to be an impact player at this rate? Post June 1, there's only a dead cap charge of $2.1 million. You would save $12 million with a player like that. And then lastly, I think Dre Greenlaw is an option. I know it would be doing the Niners enforcer dirty, a player who's the heart and soul of this defense, a player who the Niners really missed in Super Bowl 58. But he tore his Achilles, and sometimes players aren't the same. And he has a little bit of an injury history too. If you cut him after June 1, dead cap charge of less than a million. And then the cap savings is $8.5 million. So these are just ideas. I guarantee you these are things that the Niners organization 
are talking about. I'm not reporting that, but that's how this business goes. And I'm fascinated to see how they manipulate the cap and what roster choices they do make with some of the star players on this team. Because at some point, with Brock Purdy's contract extension looming, Brandon Ayuk's as well, you're going to have to make some of these difficult roster moves. There's so many factors here. And yeah. we're now, Chase, starting to go, you know, this entire regime has been about build up, build up, build up, build up. Now some of these players are getting a little long in the tooth. Now we're one year away from Brock Pur Purdy getting paid. Now there's some urgency. Uh, some of these guys' windows may be closing. If there's going to be a trade, you know, trading some of these guys this year as opposed to next year, the difference in what you'll get back is is dramatic. If yep. I said to you, be a gambling man, give me the one veteran player of note that you think either gets cut or traded that the fans would go, what? Who would that be in your mind? I think Dre Greenlaw fits that bill because a lot of people would say, wow, he tore his Achilles in the Super Bowl. He played at a all-pro caliber level, and now – you're going to move on from him, that's really doing a team leader dirty. But at the same time, I just broke down the cap numbers. That's a move that makes a lot of sense. Your dead cap charge is less than a million dollars, and you say eight. So that's a move that would make a lot of sense. I don't think a George Kittle trade would be insane. The Niners have met with tight ends here at the NFL Combine. They're at least looking at that position. At the very least, I think they have to bring in a competent pass-catching weapon at tight end because it just makes this offense more multiple. It makes this offense a little bit more dangerous, but that's another name. And then maybe Kyle Juszczyk. But at the very least, you have to restructure some of these contracts as well. Eric Armstead's another player that I think could fit that too. If you can find a trade partner for a guy who's good against the run, who can break down the interior of the pocket, who you'd probably love to move on from that contract and all that money, that's another player that you have to throw into the mix too. There are a lot of different options for San Francisco. None of these things would surprise me, but I think it could surprise some of the fans out there. Um, one tight end, and I don't even know if he got invited to the combine. Did the Furman kid get invited to the combine? Mason Pline? I'm not tight sure. End. I don't, I he's don't a basketball. remember seeing him. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't see him on the list here, but he's a basketball player. Um, he, he, you know, he, the guy's got 10 inch hands. He he's like, if you watch him on the basketball floor, he looks like Aaron Gordon. I mean, he can run the floor and jam, um, but he's also um, a mechanical engineering major. He played basketball at Ferris state transferred to Furman. Uh, he's got 10 and a half inch hands. I, I love that kid plying as a, as a day three sleeper at tight end for the 49ers. One other thing that I thought was kind of interesting yesterday on his social media um, Aziz Al Shair posted an interception with, that he had with the 49ers against Kirk Cousins. He signed a one year deal in Tennessee for $5 million. What do you think of maybe, you know, and the other thing on the Greenlaw front, I had read that maybe they could cut him, sign him to an, re sign him to like an injury designation and, and pay him like two and a half million dollars. Uh, maybe he would agree to do that. I don't know. I mean, obviously he was drafted by the 49ers in the fifth round. He's been a Niner his whole career. Um, I know he's a team leader. It would, it, you know, it's going to look bad if they, if they cut him loose uh, just because he's hurt right now when he's given up everything, played hurt for them so many times. Um, but what do you think of Aziz Al-Shair maybe getting 8 to $10 million 
in a contract from the 49ers and returning after one year in Tennessee. I think he's a spectacular player. And when he was with the Niners, when he was with Tennessee, very instinctual player, really good feel. He fits the Niners mold of what they look for in linebackers. That's why they drafted him as a player who's very versatile and has really good sideline to sideline speed. He can cover, he can fill the gaps in the run game. You can also include him in some of these blitz packages. I'm interested to see how San Francisco looks at him as far as a salary because they're already paying Fred Warner a lot, a lot of buzz that maybe he could land a contract extension to lower the cap hit for 2024. That would make a lot of sense. He's still in his mid-20s and playing at an elite level. You gave Dre Greenlaw that deal that gave him about $8 million per, but you're without him. The Niners with this defense that has a lot of Seattle components to it and that Seattle defense relied upon their linebackers a lot, rely on linebacker play. So you have Fred Warner here. You draft the D winners and Jalen Graham last year. I thought they flashed in the preseason and they kind of remind me a little bit of an Al Shire sideline to sideline speed, very quick, maybe not all that bulky like a Bobby Wagner or a Dre Greenlaw, but are they ready to play for this defense, which is going to have Super Bowl expectations regardless of who the defensive coordinator is? You can get by with them maybe, but for sure you know what you have in Aziz Alshire. You have familiarity with him. He was in the building. In the lead-up to that Packers game, he was on the field celebrating with the linebacker room. And in his first full season as a starter for Tennessee last year, he was fifth in tackles. Fifth in tackles for loss, couple of sacks, good against the run, good in coverage, so active, very aggressive. He's still a really young player, and he'd be a tremendous fit on this Niners defense as well, again, regardless of who the defensive coordinator is. And if you don't think that Dre Greenlaw is going to be with you for much of the year, I know there was that report from Dr. Kenneth Jong that maybe he could return for the start of the regular season. I think that's a difficult task considering it was a torn Achilles that he suffered in February. You go the Aziz Alshire route, you're going to have to pay him. And that's what it comes down to because of how well he played with Tennessee. And Rand Carthon really recognized how good of a player he was. And that's why he brought him with him to Nashville. And it ended up being a really good bargain deal for Tennessee. But because he played so well with the Titans this past year, his price tag has gone up. I'd like it. I'm just not sure if San Francisco is going to be willing to pay that much money. What do you make of the fact you've already kind of hit on the IUK thing? Juwan Jennings, if the Niners had won the Super Bowl, could have been the MVP of the Super Bowl. Yeah. Supposedly they're working on an extension for him. They're working on an extension for IUK. They've got Debo already extended. They've got some depth at wide receiver, and yet they're meeting with a number of wide receivers. What do you make of that? Is that is is Jennings going to get traded? Is Debo going to get traded? Is are the Niners? Um, I mean, what what's your read? I mean, there's not enough room at the end for all these wide receivers. No, and keep in mind that free agency starts not this week, but next week. And I think San Francisco is getting ahead of this early and meeting with all these wide receivers, and they're meeting with a lot of different players. Slot wide receivers, perimeter wide receivers, burners, possession type of wide receivers, red zone targets, guys who are a little bit bigger and bulkier, who can climb the ladder and bring the football down. I think what this tells me, it's not that Debo's going to get dealt or cut. 
the dead cap charge is just too much for him to get cut. They want Brandon Ayuk to be a part of their plans, and Ayuk in contract negotiations is letting it be known, according to Niner Sports Talk on Twitter, that he wants number one targets moving forward, and I totally see why. No DB has been able to lock him down, and San Francisco understands how valuable he is and how good of a player he is, and they've overseen his development and invested a lot in him, and because of that, I think they're going to invest in him further. I think why the Niners are meeting with wide receivers here. They might be a little bit worried that a team is just going to give Jawan Jennings so much money that they simply can't afford him. And instead of going with a reunion type like Kendrick Bourne, they're going to go after a cost-controlled, money-efficient young player who can be a part of this team for the next four or five years and maybe be even better than Jawan Jennings. And that's not a slight on Jawan Jennings. Third and Jawan is a thing. He consistently came up huge on the money downs. He's an incredibly clutch player. He's the epitome of what the Niners look for in a player, a dog, a guy who's tough, a willing blocker, a guy who will chop it up with the opponent, talk a little shit. I love Jawan Jennings, but if another team gives him $8 million, $5 million, because they could see him being a high-end wide receiver three, high-end wide receiver two, and then from Jawan Jennings' standpoint, his career with the Niners, it's been awesome, right? But does he want to go somewhere where he could be targeted more in an offense to show what he can do? Because I think with more targets, his production could be really solid. I think this is a sign here that the Niners are worried. Another team across the NFL is going to give Jawan Jennings a bag. Niners aren't going to be able to keep him. The RFA tender is expensive. It's almost at like $3 million. And is that why the Niners are looking at all these wideouts? It's unfortunate that they're going to get nothing. From Danny Gray, who was a third-round pick at SMU, I think he's on his way to being a bust. But the good news here for the Niners, day two, day three, a lot of really talented wideouts who I think could be game-changers inside Kyle Shanahan's system and a lot of the wide receivers. One, really like Brandon Ayuk, and they've been complimentary of Kyle Shanahan's system. Yeah. Uh, Brendan Rice, in some ways, could be an upgrade on on Jawan Jennings. Um, yeah. He's He's faster. He's big. He he's very serious about the game of football, uh, and you can see it in his route running. Um, we mentioned Armstead before. Cal State here asked this question. He says, "Tavondre Sweat, three hundred sixty-two pounds, number thirty-two, ESPN top prospect." We got this one as well from Whale and Wasp. He says, "Larry, what is your thought on Fisk?" Well, I love Fisk. His motor is incredible. His film is great. His workout was amazing. Uh, the way he went over the bags on the gauntlet was just like, what do you, you, you look like a linebacker. Sweat has got a lot of bad weight. I mean, you can see he's got boobs and he's, you know, he's just, he, but he's also a monster. Who do you think if, if, you know, obviously Hargrave's here and Hargrave's great against the pass, but he's not great against the run. If they are going to replace Armstead, what kind of defensive tackle do you think they're looking for? Do you think they're looking for a two-gapper like Tavondre Sweat? Or do you think, you know, because they have the wide nine, everybody's a pass rusher, you get up the field, you rush the passer, that a guy like Sweat may not fit their scheme? What's the best compliment in your mind? Because, you know, we saw him in Philly, Hargrave, next to Fletcher Cox. Well, Tavondre Sweat is more along the lines of a Fletcher Cox, you know, He's a condominium, you know, he's a, he's a huge man. Um, yeah. What's the, what's the ideal type defensive tackle you think next to Hargrave? Yeah, I'd actually say sweat 
kind of compares to Jordan Davis a little bit, who's gotten off to a slow start since being a first-round pick by Philadelphia. And the Eagles actually moved up to take him, I think, 14th overall in the draft two years ago. And what worries me about him, he's an athletic freak, right? 6'6", 340. He ran, I think, a sub-540 yard dash in the combine a couple of years ago out of Georgia. He was top 10 in Heisman Trophy voting, but he struggled to stay in shape. And he's not a three-down player. And I know that we're not talking about this defensive tackle being a three-down player, but ideally you want a player who can be a three-down guy. So I don't think it's sweat. I think he's a little bit too heavy. I don't think he's a scheme fit. I think Fisk turned a lot of heads yesterday with his athletic testing numbers. He's an absolute freak, and I think he is a three-down player who could play really well against the run. And then McKinley Jackson, I think he's just in better shape as compared to sweat. So I think he's a better option too. Yeah, McKinley Jackson, by the way, I'm an AM fan. Two-time, um, you know, this was the player of the year. This was Mr. Football in the state of Mississippi. He was as highly recruited as anybody. He's been the Aggies captain the last two years, and um, he's just really well thought of in in uh, in uh, in College Station, for sure. I mean, in, in A&M, obviously, look what Matabuke's done. I mean, this guy's different than Matabuke, but uh, he's strong as a house and definitely a leader. Um, all right. This was dramatic. I'm going to share the screen on this one because I'm going to show you this and you've probably seen it already, but, um, here it is. Okay. This is, this is Dave Merritt, uh, the, the coach talking a little bit about, um, about Kyle Shanahan and the Super Bowl. Uh, and this is one of the 49ers. This is the guy talking here who's on the right in the middle. This guy was interviewed for the 49ers DC job. Here it is. Wilkes, even himself, is looking at this as a blessing. You know what? I understand you guys want to go in a different direction. Mm-hmm. But if you want to base it based clearly off of just the game, that's not the case. And we all know that. There's yeah, always yeah. something behind yes. a marriage. Right. If it's yeah. not going well, right. It, right. Not, it doesn't just happen all right. night. Right. So, but if you want to talk about the game, their offense went three for 12 on third down. Oops. Our offense went nine for 19, but if your offense is going three for 12 on third down, is that Wilkes' fault? (laughs) If your tight end, who's all pro Kittle, only has one catch for four yards, (laughs) is that Wilkes' fault? I mean, so therefore you can feed McCaffrey all you want to. He needs help. And then number 11, who was trying to fight all game, uh, Aiko, whatever, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. He only had 40-something yards. Was that Wilkes' fault? So I just say that there was something going on before. Yeah, It's all winning. Oh, man, it, man. Okay, so that is Dave Merritt, and he is up for the Niners' defensive coordinator job, and he's calling Brandon Ayuk Aiko, and he's kind of taking shots at Kyle Shanahan. What's your read on that? To me, it seems like there's no chance in hell that he's going to get that D.C. job. At, or at least if your plan to get the D.C. job is to throw the head coach under the bus, I might want to reassess my game plan there. Um, what, and a lot of people saw that and were like, I want to hire Dave Merritt. That's the level of accountability that Kyle Shanahan needs to have and blah, 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 blah. You can say that, but Shanahan's gonna gonna bring in a guy that he trusts. And is, is, do you do you develop trust with somebody from outside your organization by you know ripping the head coach? I mean, I mean, basically that's what he did there. Did had you seen that? 
I saw it yesterday and a yeah. couple of takeaways from that. First of all, him calling Brandon Ayuk Aiko is hilarious coming after um, Bucky Brooks calling him Ayuk the other day. So it's a little bit of a tricky pronunciation that people seem to be having trouble with. But like Brandon Ayuk is a top 10 wide receiver in the game and game recognizes oh, game. Yeah, all pro yeah. this year and one of the best wideouts and one of the best route runners in the NFL. And that's been the case over the last couple of years. So game recognizes game. It's start. It's time for some people to start to recognize what he's been able to do. Um, you know, a couple of takeaways from that. I heard him say all of that, and I'm like, damn, the Niners game plan offensively was garbage in the Super Bowl. Like George Kittle has one catch for four yards. I don't think they targeted Brandon Ayuk enough. They tried to force feed Debo Samuel the football. They got away from running it with Christian McCaffrey and on the money downs, they were bad. And that's on top of them just consistently shooting themselves in the foot. So he makes good points and it kind of brings back the realization and the thought that, man, I don't like that game plan from Kyle Shanahan at all. And that game was so winnable in so many ways for San Francisco. So that's number one. Number two, I doubt that Kyle Shanahan saw that clip before he interviewed Dave Merritt because it looks as though it's like a local podcast or something that wasn't really making noise on social media up until yesterday. I imagine that Shanahan, who obviously is very confident in himself, probably didn't like what was said there. But I think why the Niners reached out to Dave Merritt, he's won five Super Bowls. He's been a defensive backs coach for a really long time. He's a Steve Spagnuolo favorite. Spagnuolo is one of the best defensive coordinators in the history of football. He's won four rings as a defensive coordinator. And Spagnuolo has known him going all the way back to his Giants days. So they've overlapped. They've worked with one another. And if anything, maybe Kyle Shanahan's trying to get some intel and trying to get some insight from Dave Merritt, who's worked under just a fantastic defensive mind who spags. I'll coach Kyle Shanahan in the Super Bowl. So those were kind of my immediate takeaways from that. Well, it was brutal honesty. Um, yep. The question is, does Kyle Shanahan want brutal honesty? <laughs> or does he want, you know, and and um, do you think, I, okay, I've got two different thoughts on that. On one hand, it shows that this guy is a straight shooter, brutally honest, and is going to have some uncomfortable conversations. You know what? I, maybe Steve Wilkes didn't have enough uncomfortable conversations or we didn't have, we maybe guys like myself wouldn't have to call out chase young for Cadillacing in the NFC championship game. For all we know, Shanahan says, you know what? Wilkes was too soft on these guys and he wants somebody to come in and spit fire. And maybe Dave Merritt is exactly what he's looking for. Or on the other hand, you know, um, you know, maybe Wilkes was an outsider and this guy's an outsider and there's going to be trust factors and Shanahan's going to, um, you know, maybe in the future say, Hey, I didn't like the way my defense played and this guy's going to, going to fight him on it and, 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 and blow up the presser. What do you think? Is, is he more or less likely to get that job? You think after that, after Kyle watches that? You know, you bring up a good point. Is he willing to have uncomfortable conversations? Sometimes I think that can be a good thing. And you know what yeah. I appreciate in life? I appreciate honesty. Larry, if I came on your show and I sucked, I'd want you to tell me. If you didn't yeah. ask me back and you just ghosted me and you didn't say anything, I'd be like, well, what happened? If you're honest with me, I appreciate that as compared to you just not telling me what's up because then I know how to improve. I know how to get better and I understand what I did wrong. 
And when I was at the Super Bowl, the thing that stood out to me, and I talked to all the players about this, all the team captains, and then I spoke with Guy Haberman about it, and I'm sure that you've seen this too. The Niners culture seems to be really special. And a lot of the players credited Kyle Shanahan for that. Every player I talked to was professional. Every player was gracious with their time. Every player was just enjoyable to have a dialogue and conversation with. And you don't always get that in locker rooms. You don't always get that in professional sports. Sometimes athletes want no part of the media, but these guys love talking ball. They've loved talking about their team. And it was really, really impressive to be around a team that you could tell was a well-run business. At the same time, though, everybody's buddy-buddy. And there seems to be a little bit of a clubhouse environment a little bit where everybody defends one another. And the Niners are an organization, whether it's Kyle Shanahan or the players, they come up with a lot of excuses. Maybe you bring in a guy like Dave Merritt, excuses aren't going to fly if you want to get over the top, sometimes it's the little things on the peripheries. And Dave Merritt knows that. He's won five rings. We can't have Chase Young jogging after the ball carrier doing nothing to keep Jameer Gibbs out of the end zone in an NFC Championship game. We shouldn't be talking about effort in a Final Four game. Kyle Shanahan right. shouldn't be having to call a timeout because he doesn't like the defensive scheme. He shouldn't have to be involved in some of these defensive meetings because he doesn't like how things are being constructed in the lead-up to the Super Bowl. With a guy like Dave Merritt, he might force you to have those uncomfortable conversations. He might get after you so that you know where you might be affected by it at the time and you might not like it, what you have to do to improve. And he might just have to force the Niners to make some necessary changes culturally to be a little bit more mentally tough. And I thought early in the year when San Francisco couldn't come back from any of these deficits and when a guy like Fred Warner is like, yeah, we haven't shown the ability to come back, we have to show that we're mentally tough. That's pretty telling to me. Now, against the Packers, against the Lions, to their credit, the Niners did mount those comebacks. But at times, they looked a little bit mentally fickle. And when things started to snowball in the Super Bowl, they looked a little bit mentally fickle. With a guy like Dave Merritt, maybe they need that edge. Maybe they need that honesty and that mental toughness. That's why I wouldn't hate it. And that's why I wouldn't love an outside vote, or I wouldn't hate an outside voice coming in. That's why I was all in on Bill Belichick, because Bill Belichick isn't going to let you have a half-ass effort in an NFC championship game. He's not content with being good. He wants to be great. Whereas sometimes the Niners are like, we're the best team in football. We're going to beat you up and we're going to play really well from ahead, but they're not the same team when they get punched in the mouth on both sides of the ball. No question. Uh, who would be your, if you were sitting here, not your pick, but who would be your prediction of who they will pick? Brandon Staley, Nick Sorensen, Daniel Bullocks, Dave Merritt. Um, I, I said yesterday on the stream that I think it's probably going to be Marquan Manuel, just from the standpoint of uh, Manuel's worked with Kyle before in Atlanta. He's been a defensive coordinator. Um, I think Manuel's going to be their guy. Who, who do you think it's going to be? Man, I mean, all this buzz is that Sorensen's going to be the guy, but that's like the least sexy hire and the one that obviously doesn't excite the fan base, but it doesn't excite me at all because what is his track record of having any type of defensive success? Now, to Shanahan's credit, when he's made these internal hires with Robert Tell and D'Amico Ryans, they've worked out really well, and to Shanahan's credit, he does a really, really good job of finding quality coaches and then developing them into really good coaches. Robert Saladamiga, Ryan's, Mike McDaniel, all the recent examples. But 
as part of the assistants that have gone elsewhere, they've had success. Bobby Slowick here at the Combine, people are raving about what he was able to do with Houston. And he's a Kyle Shanahan guy. The pro football focus guys were saying his offense and Kyle Shanahan's offense, an absolute cheat code. And it really was what he did in his rookie year with C.J. Stroud was very impressive. So I think it could be Sorensen. Um, the manual hire, I think, would excite me. And that would make sense, too, because, you know, he's got those Jets ties. He's worked with Kyle Shanahan. There's a lack of experience there as far as calling plays, but at least there's some level of intrigue there. And then with Dave Merritt, I'd like that because I'd like to study a Spags defense and see how you can blend that with what the Niners obviously want to do. But thinking back to what John Lynch said on Tuesday, he said, we don't think we're going to change our defensive philosophy. We want to stick to what has worked, what our personnel fits, and what we do really well. And that's why I kind of lean. It's going to be a hire with a lot of familiarity. And that's why I'm not sure if it's going to be Brandon Staley because what? Are you going to do the same thing that you did with Steve Wilkes where you hire a DC and then you force that DC to not run his system and instead run your system? That didn't work last year. And I think Kyle Shanahan could be a little bit gun shy about that. Yeah, no, I mean, some good thoughts there. Uh, Dazza says, what did Merritt say that wasn't true? It's not It's not really about uh, that. It's about the fact that, um, you know, he, he was basically kind of pointing the finger at the head coach. The head coach is the central figure in every football organization. Essentially, it, it's like blaming your boss for last year's failures before you interview with him to be this year's defensive coordinator. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it just, you know, if you can't see that conflict there, um, you know, I, I can't help you as far as this one, Dazza says, if you cut Dre Greenlaw, you'd lose parts of the locker room. That's yeah. I, I think, I think that, that absolutely could be true. Um, one other thing yesterday we had Nick Allegretti on from the chiefs and, um, he said this. I want you to listen to this little nugget. Um, this is Allegretti they yesterday. They were like, let's see here. We can. There we go. Uh, let's push this back. And here's Nick Allegretti, the Chiefs guard who played in the Super Bowl, uh, hurt with a torn UCL. Uh, he joined us yesterday on the Krug Show, and I asked him about, you know, he's a free agent, and he was a free agent last year, and this is how the dialogue went. But now yeah. you're a free agent. I mean, what do you, what kind of dialogue have you had with your agent? You guys know the answer. Am I able to speak on prior off seasons? Yeah. Negotiations. I, yeah, I yeah, signed you... the um, but yeah, during the during the whatever the free agency window, San Fran was a was a team that I absolutely spoke with and couldn't couldn't have more respect for John Lynch and Coach Shanahan and the the organization they're running there is about as top end as it gets. And when I spoke with them, they they mentioned that and. They were, your, normally their message is where are you going to have a better chance to go in the Super Bowl? And they hit me with that and they were like, I understand that the, the one other place is probably Kansas City. So that's right. the yeah. that's the challenge. It's as a football guy, how do I leave that organization? How do I leave countless Hall of Famers? Mm -hmm. um, one of the top offensive line coaches is probably the top offensive mind, you know, that, that I'll ever play for and Coach Reed. How do I leave that situation? So he was also on Good Morning Football today on NFL Network. And and even though he's saying a lot of the same things, how do I leave? He's won three rings there. Um, he's sitting behind some great players in the interior. He's a free agent. He's got 
a wrestling background. He was an academic All-American. The Niners kicked tires on him last year. I think, you know, if they want to bring back Feliciano as kind of a bench guy, I think a guy like Allegretti would make sense. He's got that Super Bowl pedigree. He's smart. He's tough. Um, he's a good dude. I've, I've known him for years. But um, what, what do you think? I mean, could you see, um, you know, them jumping into the free agent market and trying to steal something away from Kansas City at guard? Yeah, I think that can make sense just because San Francisco doesn't love to invest heavily in the offensive line and Nick Allegretti isn't going to break the bank. The same can be said for John Feliciano, who can probably be had for three to five million dollars. And you kind of know what you're going to be able to get from those players. You look elsewhere in free agency, Micah Wenu is a player. I sat down with the pro football focus guys. They talked about him as a good scheme fit. They like him at tackle. But New England never really committed to him at right tackle. Is he better as a guard? He played really well at guard last year. Robert Hunt is a player who played under Mike McDaniel in Miami. His pro football focus grades in 10 games last year were really, really good, but he got hurt. Some concerns there, but a player with a lot of pedigree, second-round pick. We keep talking about the Niners needing to address the offensive line. They do. It's the biggest weakness. It's the biggest concern. And the last two years, they've been exposed in the biggest games of the year against Philadelphia in the NFC title game, in the Super Bowl against Kansas City, because of bad offensive line play. I think they have to invest there. I'm not confident they're going to overly invest there. Could they go after Allegretti, John Feliciano as more cost-controlled options? It wouldn't surprise me if that's the route. In fact, it's probably the probable route. Tim Kalakami predicted that the Niners trade up to take offensive tackle out of Oklahoma, Tyler Guyton. I would love that. If you go cheaper in free agency at guard with a really, really solid player, then you move up in the draft and you take that right tackle and he's your guy for the next decade. That's the type of aggression that I'd like to see as it pertains to offensive line specifically. Yeah, no, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And and Guyton, you know, I had a long conversation in the locker room about a month ago with Trent Williams, who knows so much. It's amazing what Trent knows as far as, yeah. you know, he was conversant on all these offensive tackles and he had seen Guyton at Oklahoma. Obviously, Trent himself went to Oklahoma and he's like, oh, yeah, man, the guy's a beast in the run game. <laughs> and, and there's no question Guyton is a beast in the run game and he might be the tackle that's left for them on the board. If they can, if, you know, if they could get up into the, you know, twenties, mid twenties, he might, he might happen to fall to them. What do you make at quarterback? So you got Purdy, he's your one, you got Brandon Allen as the three, but he's a free agent. You got Darnold as the two, but he's a free agent. Um, I saw the odds on, on Zach Wilson's next home. If he stays with the Jets, they're saying 25% chance. Does he go to the Rams, 22% chance? Niners at 14.3%. I've seen people uh, say since then that the Niners are not going to be interested in Zach Wilson. Who, who's, what's, who are the other two quarterbacks in the Niner quarterback room in your mind next year? Anybody trying to ask me about Zach Wilson, please no. Guy stinks. So please, <laughs> no. Also, no, you don't 11 want him. No, and and $11 million to next year. The Jets have to eat like all of that. I'm intrigued by the arm talent. You have that line of communication with New York, but as far as consistent quarterback play, he's just been dog shit, and I don't think that he's a quarterback in this league. You threw out Joe Milton. 
Joe Milton would be fascinating because of all of the athletic traits that he has. He can throw the ball through a cement wall. I mean, he's got a cannon, but he's so unrefined. So that would have to be a quarterback three. He's just not ready enough to be your backup, but man, he's got some athletic intangibles. Um, let me throw this name out there for a, for a draft target. How about Sam Hartman? Sam Hartman was at Wake Forest, had a ton of production there. He went to Notre Dame, a lot of production there. He's been their best quarterback over the last few years as far as just pro-level quarterbacking. You can get him in the mid to later rounds. He's a cerebral guy. I think that's a name to watch for San Francisco is Sam Hartman as a backup or a third stringer who you wouldn't have to pay all that much money to, and there's some upside there. And if Brock Purdy were to go down, I think you'd have confidence that he could right the ship and run the offense. Two last ones before we call it quits. A um, couple of league notes today that I think are kind of interesting. One, you cover the Niners, but you cover the Eagles, and the Eagles are going to release Kevin Byard how did Bayard look in Philly? He's 30. He was due 14.1. Uh, very little of it was guaranteed. Will they re-sign him at a lower dollar figure? Will he move on? What, what's your thought on Bayard? Yeah, they saved $13.7 million, so they are never going to bring him back on that price tag. He's a former two-time All-Pro. He's been a very instinctual player with really good ball skills. He's been a ball hawk throughout his career. He's clearly on the downslope athletically. I did think that he did a great job against Travis Kelsey in that Monday night game about halfway through the season before the Eagles fell apart and the Niners broke Philadelphia. I think that the Eagles could bring him back on a cheaper deal, but I think they're meeting with a ton of safeties here at the draft. And I think that they might invest in that position in the draft, but then also go that route in free agency too. Byron's a solid player, but he's just nowhere close to that former all pro self that he was a few years ago at Tennessee. And Trey Lance, the Cowboys are going to retain Trey Lance in 2024. Uh, they're not going to pick up his very pricey fifth-year option um, of $22 million or whatever, but they're going to pay out $4.2 million for a roster bonus that's due five days after the start of camp. Um, he's going to be in Dallas next year. Does that surprise you? Um, they traded a fourth to the Niners to get him, so I guess it shouldn't be too much of a surprise, but there's been a lot of speculation that Trey was maybe going to have to move on beyond Dallas uh, to find a home. What's you, are you surprised that they're going to bring him back this year? Not surprised. Would they give up that fourth round pick for him? And he was the quarterback three this past year for Dallas behind Dak and Cooper Rush, just like he was the quarterback three for San Francisco. I think it was just the Niners wanting to get rid of him so that they didn't have to worry about the talking points and all the storylines and the quarterback drama. That would have loomed over the head of Brock Purdy. There's no doubt about it. Isn't it crazy, though? It feels like Lance has been in the league for a long time. He's still only 23 years old. And I think that's why Dallas is exercising that option, giving him that $4.5 million. They all want to see what he can do in their building. And I thought it was a little bit of a smokescreen. They were like, this guy's been incredible since we traded for him. He's so smart, so much upside, and he's still the quarterback three. Um, the jury's out on him, but he's a young player who who does have some arm talent, who does have some mobility. I don't think the mobility is what the Niners thought it was going to be, and he kind of underwhelmed in that area, not consistent enough, made some really good plays in the preseason, I will say that. But for a 23-year-old at the quarterback spot who's 6'4", 225, you always take chances on guys like that.
Uh, one last one from the chat. We got this one from Boxing Fan. He says, what about Patrick Mahomes' brother, Spencer Rattler? I don't think it's his brother, but uh, <laughs> but Rattler, you know, Rattler's interesting. He was at Oklahoma. He transferred to South Carolina. He played well in the Senior Bowl. I think he might won the MVP. He had a beautiful dime, uh, in, you know, in the first quarter of that game where he dropped it in the bucket. He's athletic. He's kind of small. Um, what, what did you think of Spencer Rattler as an NFL quarterback? Yeah, he's shorter, but he was the number one overall recruit when he signed with Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma. He wasn't good there. He goes to South Carolina. He resurrects his career to a certain degree. In week one, I saw South Carolina play UNC and got to see Drake May against Spencer Rattler. The offensive line for South Carolina was just awful, and they were getting beat time and time again. Rattler was running for his life. He's shorter, but he's got a cannon too. And he talked about this today. He can layer balls in there or he can rifle balls in there. And I think to his credit, he transfers to South Carolina. He has to learn a completely new offense, much different than what Lincoln Riley was running. And he played really, really well. Mid-round pick, late-round pick, I'd take a chance on him. I think a team might draft him sneakily in the second or third round. I think there's a team out there that might take a shot on him because of his past being the number one recruit, the arm talent. He's met with the Denver Broncos. That could be a team with Sean Payton that takes a chance on a quarterback that needs a quarterback. I think he's one of those sneaky prospects who could go a lot earlier than what a lot of people anticipate. And the Senior Bowl MVP was also a nice little award for him to win. All right, brother, we'll let you get on with your day. Uh, what do you got cooking on Chat Sports? I know you guys are right there at the Combine in Indy. I looked at the uh, weather yesterday. It looked like it was blue skies in Indy. It looked beautiful out there. Cold. I mean, let's just say sunny but cold. Uh, yeah. But you guys are in indoors. What do you got cooking for Niner fans uh, this weekend if people want to be all in on Chase Sr. and Chat Sports and your coverage from the Combine? Tease what you guys got cooking. Yeah, we've had some awesome coverage this week. We aired the John Lynch press conference. We've had a couple of interviews go up on the channel. All the buzz that I've been hearing here from the NFL Combine did uh, some interviews with some prospects today. We're going to put that on the 49ers report. Luke McCaffrey, Brendan Rice, Frank Gore Jr. If you want to hear from the legacy Niners, potentially, who could get drafted and taken by this team, you can hear from them throughout the weekend on the 49ers report as well. I'll say this about Indianapolis. Um, here in the Midwest, you're going to get inconsistent weather this time of year, late February into March. Tuesday, it's 60 degrees. And then the following morning, it was like 25 degrees when I went on my run. So that's a little bit brutal. But Indianapolis is an underrated city. It's got kind of everything you need, good restaurants, good nightlife, plenty of stuff to do. I'm always a big fan of cities that are easy to get around and maneuver around. Indianapolis offers a lot, centrally located, solid airport. I've been here a couple of times. I'm high on Indy, and I hope the NFL Combine doesn't leave. Can you break a sweat in 25 degrees? How long did it take you to break a sweat when you're running in 25 degrees? I was like bundled up in a in a windbreaker. So I, I was sweating toward the end, but at the start of it, when it was a little bit windy, I was a little bit timid going outside. And then I just had to conquer and, and silence that inner voice in my head saying, get back in bed. I just had to go do it. But yeah, it took a little while to break that sweat. All right, brother. Hey, have a great Friday. We love uh, our streams on Friday. Have a great weekend in Indy. Safe travels back to Texas. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Larry. Catch you guys. 
Chase Senior Chat. Yeah, never met a man I've been scared of. Careful, you won't get exactly what you asked for. Careful, whatever you bring me, get in 